Hello and welcome to The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your weekly podcast for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I chat to Dr. Michael Gaffney, an entomologist in Chagas, where we chatted about aphid control and BYDV. I first asked Michael the main ways how BYDV is spread by adults and juvenile aphids. Aphids that fly into the crop, in general, they're a threat uh, under two ways. One, they, int- they have the potential to introduce BYDV into the crop, although research would indicate that the amount of these flying uh, aphid vectors that land in the crop that are carrying BYDV can be quite low. It can be anywhere from 0 to 8% based on UK research. But also they're a threat because they have the potential to produce a significant amount of offspring. And then those offspring can spread throughout the crop. And particularly what they can do is they can spread BYDV through the crop. Okay. So we obviously can't stop aphids flying in because that's what aphids are designed to do, if you like. Um, But what factors should farmers look out for that might help or hinder the development of aphids to give us an indication of when you know, a, a control measure should be employed or not? Okay, so one of the first things growers can actually do is just to see if they can observe if aphids are, are present within their crop. Um, and what the probably the best way of doing that is to go into the field and have a look in around the headlands of the field because in general, research would indicate that the levels of aphids you can find in a crop are greater in the headlands than they are in the middle of the field particularly flying aphids, and this is largely due to the impact of the field boundaries, be there trees and hedges. These sheltered areas make it easier for the aphids to land. So in general, I think UK research would indicate that there's approximately three times more aphids you'll find in the headlands than you will find in the middle of the field. So that's one of the first things growers can do in terms of um, making a decision about when to deploy control measures is actually to observe if aphids are present in the field. So Michael, there's other factors that might be pl- at play there as well, such as the time of year that a crop is uh, planted in or um, maybe the temperatures that are out there. Absolutely. Um, aphids are very much governed by uh, air temperature. It, it drives their reproduction and their dispersal. So particularly for flying aphids, there's critical uh, daytime temperatures of 11 degrees. Once temperatures begin, daytime temperatures begin to fall below 11 degrees, that severely impacts their ability to fly. Um, in terms of their ability to reproduce and move around a crop, once air temperatures fall to three degrees and below, that begins to um, impact their ability to move around in a crop and feed. Okay, so very much look at the temperature, and I suppose that's why in the summer you tend to see more aphids because they're higher temperature and they can they can reproduce and more them out there. But what, Michael, when you talk about aphids, um, there is many different aphid species out there, and you mentioned that not all aphids carry BYDV. What are the main aphid species that we should be thinking about? And then on the other side of that, they're pretty small. So how does a farmer identify them in the field, or does he need to? Well, I think absolutely farmers should be should strive to try and identify the aphids in their field, um, because there is a there's a huge abundance of different aphid species that may accidentally or by design end up in a, in a farmer's field. When we speak about BYDV and cereal crops, in reality, we're speaking about three specific aphid species, which we would term as BYDV vectors. And the most important from an Irish context of these is uh, an aphid called the grain aphid. And the grain, this grain aphid has been shown to, in previous Chagas research, has been shown to be the predominant vector of 
barley yellow dwarf and virus in Irish crops. In terms of how you would identify it, it is a relatively large aphid, anywhere from 1.3 to 3.3 mils in size. It has distinctive black siphunclei, and siphunclei are those uh, two projections that come from the back end of an aphid. Um, and it also has very distinctive black patches on the joints on its legs. So it's quite an easy aphid to identify. It's quite different to other aphids you'll see. Um, it can be green in color, or it can vary all the way through to reddish brown in color. So it, it, it has a, quite a wide range of color types. The second main vector of BYDB that we find in Irish tillage fields is the bird cherry oat aphid. Um, this aphid is associated with more severe strains of uh, BYDB, such as PAV and the RPV strain, although it can also uh, vector the MAV strain. It is predominantly a oval-shaped aphid, anywhere from one to two mils in size. It is a green aphid, but it is characteristic because it has two small red patches at the base of its siphunclei, um, which makes it quite a distinctive aphid to identify. And I suppose, Michael, the, the great thing about the, um, I suppose, uh, the internet that we have out there at the moment is there, there's plenty of good pictures and uh, probably videos there as well that, that, that people can um, look at the aphid with a hand lens and, and, and go uh, for, for reference and have a look and compare for what they get on the internet. So um, that's something that, that, that people can do. So, Michael, for the earlier planted cereals, cereals planted in late September, maybe even early October, what is the standard control method for BYDV in those crops? So your standard control advice at the moment would be to apply an aphicide at the two to three leaf stage and then to observe the crop, look for aphid activity and if required, a follow-up aphicide possibly in the first to second week of November may be required. And uh, which is all very straightforward. Um, and the, in terms of maybe the later sown crops, so crops that might be sown towards mid to late October, is it, is it very different for those crops? Given that they've been sown a bit later and they will emerge a bit later, and a single aphicide may, may be required, may just be required at the two to three leaf stage. I think the prevailing weather conditions at the time, um, again, we've mentioned the impact of uh, day temperature and insect flight. So in those cases, it would really be up to the grower to assess the situation in the field, um, assess what the environmental conditions are and what the likelihood of uh, any more aphid infiltration in, or aphid migration into the crop may be. Okay, and that, that's probably going to differ depending on where you are in the country. It could be very different in Cork being a lot warmer than perhaps in the Midlands, um, somewhere up around Carlow or uh, Leash, perhaps. Absolutely. Uh, as I said, uh, temperatures and local temperatures particularly have a very big impact on the aphid, on, its, on both its life cycle and its movement in a crop. Okay. So we've been used to using, I suppose, over the last couple of years, we, we had uh, deter as in this, an insecticide uh, on the seed dressing, but that's obviously not available anymore. So we're back to pretty much um, all of the control to use uh, of an insecticide, the perethroid class, if you like. So the likes of karate um, or cypressector, sumi alpha, they're all perethroid type insecticides. We've heard a bit about resistance. Um, are perethroids still going to be useful? Um, and you might maybe just give us a comment on resistance where we think that is at at the moment. Okay, so I think the first thing to say is that yes, pyrethroids are still useful, they're still effective. Um, our research would indicate that a, a properly applied full rate uh, of pyrethroid will kill a significant proportion of even the partially resistant um, Cytobia novena. 
So I think that that should be said. In terms of what the extent of the resistance is at the moment, uh, our last full survey we did on this was in 2018. And in that survey, it indicated that 20% of the Cytobian avena aphids that we recovered from fields had, the had, this, had a single copy of this resistance gene. I think what we're trying to get across in our message about the resistance is that currently the resistance is partial resistance. It is heterozygous, which means that of the two genes, only one of them has a mutation. What we want to avoid is a scenario where through a constant and overexposure to pyrethroids that the aphid uh, attains homozygous mutation, which in essence would mean that the mutation would be present on both copies of the gene. And in that case, other instances with other in, uh, aphids, such as um, the peach potato aphid, would indicate that once that happens, the pyrethroids would largely become ineffective. Okay, so the message, like you say, is that pyrethroids are, are, are good. Don't be, don't be um, afraid to go and put them on the two, two to three leaf stage. Um, so if a guy does that and um, he's still worried about resistance, how does he assess it or how does he know he potentially might have resistance? Okay, this, this is always a, a fairly tricky question to answer, but I think in general, if the farmer follows a couple of uh, steps. So I think all, all farmers, when they apply an aphicide, should check the efficacy of that application within a five to seven day period. Um, because by that stage, with a knockdown insecticide such as that, you should see the uh, impact of it. You should see that the aphids should, have, um, should be dead. If the farmer comes across very noticeable populations of aphids, particularly ones that are not winged, which indicate that they've been in the crop for a while. Um, I think at that stage, what the farmer needs to, to do is assess whether they're all the same species, whether they're all Cytopia novinae, or whether they're a mix of species. And I think that would be a very good indication for him to see whether it is potentially a, an issue with resistance. I would say also that from our research is that um, previous research we've done would indicate that the levels of resistant aphids within fields varies greatly. There are some fields where we sampled where we would get no resistant aphids. And like on the other side, there are some fields where we maybe got eight out of 10, nine out of 10 of the cytobian avena we found had the resistance genes. So it's not a blanket um, level of resistant aphids in every field. It does vary greatly from field to field. So there's a, there's a good bit of careful assessment, Michael, um, from, from a field to field, even, even within farms, if you like. So if, if, a, if a farmer does suspect he has resistance, does he give it another shot of a pyrethroid or, or what does he do? If the farmer suspects they have resistance, we really would. Uh, good agricultural practice would indicate that, no, you should not go in with the same class of active ingredients. So if they had applied a pyrethroid previously, it would not be a good idea to apply a pyrethroid again, in our opinion, mainly because you're exacerbating the situation. Um, if, the initial, if the initial application hadn't been successful, it's, it's quite unlikely that the second application won't be successful. But what you're doing there in that instance is you're actively selecting out again for resistant individuals in the population, but you're also ne negatively impacting on um, wild or you know parasitoids and predators within the field also, which have been shown to have good effect against the resistant uh, Cytopia novena. Um, some work in the UK would indicate that this resistant clone, uh, the Cytopia novena SA3 clone, which is resistant, doesn't have the ability to sense uh, its own alarm pheromone. And the alarm pheromone is used by aphids to warn surrounding aphids that are uh, uh, sorry, a predator or a parasitoid is attacking them. 
and actually it does make them more susceptible to, to being parasitized. So in, in essence, what we're trying to do is if the initial application of um, pyrethroid was unsuccessful, then a further one not only will actively select out more resistant individuals, it actually may be hampering the natural uh, ecosystem and, and biodiversity within a field that might be helping the farmer to manage this pest. Michael, that's that's a very good run through um, the uh, aphid story uh, and BYDV. And I suppose, look, in, in lots of years, um, BYDV isn't really that much of a problem. And uh, I suppose where, where guys were, were planting, as some have already planted in uh, mid-September, is probably given them um, a much higher risk in comparison to, to normal plantings. So Michael, look, thanks very much for your input today. And we might come back to you again and maybe delve a little bit deeper into the BYDV story. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you, Michael. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week. My thanks to Michael for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming information, go to chagos.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.